Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors became an employee-owned company in 2002, and in 2010, the employees became the majority owners. And despite worldwide distribution, Golden product is still created on the grounds of the original barn in New Berlin using the highest standards for consistency and quality. You can find their products in pretty much every art store, and you can find more about them at goldenpaints.com. Jenna Gribben is an artist born in Knoxville, Tennessee, who lives and works in Brooklyn. She's had solo exhibitions at Modern Love Club in New York, Shoshana Wayne Gallery in Santa Monica, Prishka Yushka Fine Art in New York, and Sarah Bowen Gallery in Brooklyn. She's been in group shows at Friedrichs Fraser, Jack Hanley, 1969 Gallery, Zavitas Marcus, Sargent's Daughters, Leo Koenig, and many more. Her work has been covered in the New York Times, Interview Magazine, Vogue, W, Time Out, L, and Beautiful Decay, just to name a few. She has an upcoming group show at Gallery Paratine in New York and Sim Smith Gallery in London, and also upcoming solo shows at Friedrichs Fraser and the Museum of Modern Art in Warsaw. Jenna stopped by my studio for a talk about her days moving around as a kid, the figure and the gaze in her work, making paintings for Sofia Coppola movies, and much more. Here's our conversation. Yeah, I feel lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. Um, do you do a lot of studio visits? Um... Do you have a big community well, of people that So you- I you're catching me on a on a funny day actually. I um just turned in my thesis paper yesterday. Wow. Um, yeah. So I just What put, was your thesis on? Um so the title of it is is uh I like to watch a literal re- rendering of my own gaze. So it's essentially about how my work is about um really explicitly rendering my very watchful gaze it's kind of about it's kind of about how um figurative work is inherently voyeuristic and like just making the audience hyper aware of that feeling that they're looking at someone i don't know it's kind of creepy like placing them (laughs) In the voyeur seat. Yeah, exactly. Explicitly. Mm -hmm. Well, and also making it clear that, like, um, I am also in that seat, you know? So, like, implicating myself, too, you know? And um, I don't know. We don't have to get into all this, like, heavy art talk right off the bat. Right off the jump. (laughs) Yeah. I just... um, But, yeah, so I I finished my thesis paper and turned it in yesterday, and it feels like, yeah, I might be a little... Feel a little crazy, actually. You know, it's been three years. So this is for school. Yeah, Hunter, just graduating. Yeah. So it's it's like a transitional time. Yeah, I guess. But you had time in between. This is for your MFA, right? Yeah, my MFA. I, you know, I've been in New York for sixteen and a half years. Yeah, Um, showing and doing it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I graduated from undergraduate school a long time ago. Where was that? Uh, University of Georgia in Athens. 
Did you grow up in Georgia? No, I grew up in, um, well, between Tennessee and Georgia. Oh, that's right. Mostly Knoxville. East, Knoxville, yeah. See, I did my... Mm-hmm. You did your homework. <laughs> did a little research. Yeah. I love Tennessee. I mean, I've only spent a little bit of time there, but used to play some music there and then oh, went cool. to uh, Nashville for a show recently. That I loved it. Yeah, Nashville is a very different place than it was when I was growing up. How, well, how was it different? I mean, it's always been Music City, right? But now yeah. it's like kind of like Music well, City. Yeah, you know? and like population explosion and yeah. like a lot of a lot more of uh, sort of uh, younger people moving there because it's a cool place. That was not really a thing when I was growing up. Right. It was just more, like like old country music dudes. You know? A little more utilitarian. Yeah. <laughs> now it's got the, the aura around it. Right. Well, Jack White does a lot for a town. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how one person can have such an effect culturally on like a small yeah. city, you know. But he's been really influential and plays around. I mean, anyways, I, I, I'm very interested in him as a musician. I don't mm-hmm. listen to White Stripes and his music a ton, but my son's really into him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so wait, how long did you spend in Tennessee? Um, well, I left when I was 18 to go to college. At oh, the so you were there there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I thought you meant you were there only for a little while. Before no, I, um, so I was born in Knoxville, and then, um, you know, my mom moved us to Georgia when I was, like, five, mm-hmm. and we were in Georgia for about five years, and then moved back to Knoxville, and I was there until I graduated high school. Was that hard to do, to jump back and forth? Oh, you know, we moved so much when I was a kid. Um, Why that? I, it was just sort of, you know, my mom... Uh, my parents got divorced when I was like two and then um, my mom moved to like try to like make some more opportunities for herself um, and moved us kind of nearish to Atlanta Um, and then she met my stepdad and there was a lot of moving homes for you know trying to get in a good school or something and then my my stepdad went to um, went back to school when I was I don't know ten years old or something like that, um, and that was kind of the impetus for moving back to Tennessee. Um, but yeah, a lot of different moving houses a lot. You know, like in the fourth grade, I went to three different schools. Um, so it, I don't know. That's a lot of flux for a young it, kid. It, it was. I guess you adapt to it. You adapt to it, and I I sort of became dependent on it in a way I think yeah like when I was in a place for a long time I would get a little nervous like oh like I I kind of I would start to like crave that fresh start or something and I think that's something that's really stuck with me that I'm a little bit like uh I don't know I kind of really enjoy reinvention like that opportunity so you like you might be one of the few people who likes to change studios yeah, I mean, I don't. Nobody likes the actual act of moving. Moving you know? sucks. <laughs> I don't like that. And actually, now I, um, I'm also really a home person. Like, mm-hmm. I like to really um, spend a lot of time making my home, and also my studio, um, very particular to my needs and tastes. So yeah. I do settle into places. I'm not like nomadic in that way, but I think I'm always looking for, yeah, ways to like. Um, 
I don't know, start something new and big. It doesn't have to be my living situation, you know. It's like, like a refresh button. Yeah, I like to hit the refresh button for sure. I think that's part of, that was part of how I ended up in grad school and, uh, you know, a funny time in my life. Yeah. Well, did it, I guess it's a personal question, but did it manifest itself in personal relationships and like your relationship to, I would imagine, like viewing and looking in a way? Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Like, like this feeling of, let's say, every six yeah. years to need to restart. I mean, yeah. is, that, is that only in like a geographic sense? No, I think it, I can be a little, a little antsy personally also, yeah. which is, could, can be trouble for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm sort of, I really am in a transitional period right now. I, um, this last uh, the last few months I was doing my thesis and I like moved out of a home that I was in for almost a decade and also like left a relationship that I was in for, you know, 14 years and wow, this podcast is getting really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I mean a lot of, um, but yes, I guess the answer is, uh, I do, I have hit that refresh button a few times in my personal life also. What about your work? Oh, definitely. I mean, we strive um, to do that, whether it's micro yeah. or macro. Yeah. Like the reinvention thing is always seen as like, a, well, usually seen as a positive. Well, I feel like um, we're all so close to our work that we always think we're making radical changes and like, oh, my work is so different now than it was, you know, two years ago or something, whereas someone else might be like, well, it's not that different. But um I definitely, my work has gone through a lot of changes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely um, in the last couple of years, um, kind of coinciding with graduate school, but hard to know, like, um, if that's the reason, because there there had been other um, kind of, like, equally sized shifts in right. in the past of my work so it's not like the first time that's happened but um I do think that I don't know we were at the time when I went to school three years ago we were coming out of this period of like a lot of um I don't know if animosity is the word but like people were not interested in looking at figurative art for a long time and um, I was always a figurative painter, you know, and um, from the time I was a little kid. And I, like, would try to get away from it sometimes, you know, because I was, you know, not immune to that, like, reception, you know? <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, God, like, it, maybe it is bad to make figurative work or something. I don't know. I was feeling those things. But I... I just kept returning to it, you know, and I was, um, I think, really um, scared of the, um, just the weight of taking on figuration, you know, yeah. like, how am I going to deal with this? And, and so I, I would kind of shy away from it for periods of time. And, and I was, before I came to graduate school, went to graduate school, I was, making these um, these empty paintings kind of of like abstractions of 18th century landscapes with the figure removed and like an X in place of the figure, but the X was like in the palette of, 
you know, whatever the, the, um, the figure had been wearing. And it came out of a real love for those paintings. And like, I want to, I want to find a way to love these paintings and to like, um, I don't know, deal with these things, but like, maybe if you just take the figure out, then it removes the problematic part, but you can still have this like sense of a figure being there and not being there. And I don't know, just like trying to find new ways to love those old paintings. Yeah. Um, and then I was just like, this is, I don't know, these paintings are boring. And I think the only way to deal with it is to like go right into the belly of the beast, you know? Yeah. And just like, well that, that relationship with the figure, how did it, you said it was always there. So when you were yeah. like a kid drawing, I always drew people. drew people. Yeah, always. And you know, um, I was, I've always been this, you know, person with a staring problem. And I think like, I, I was like this little kid, you know, was the one that was always like, I was this kind of a weird kid, always drawing, always drawing people. And like, yeah, I was always that kid that like the, the mean person would, would catch staring and be like, you know, take a picture. It lasts longer or whatever. You know, that was me. <laughs> right. Um, Were you one of those kids who weren't afraid of eye contact? No, I wasn't. I'm like, I have, I think I have a pretty intense gaze, uh-huh. you know, and it's like, and that I, I guess, um, that really, I've, I've been indulging that more and more and being like, Oh, well, this is actually like what I want to make the work about. Like, I mean, that's the fun thing of figuration or any, any work really, but just like being behind the eyeballs of someone else. Right. And it's like, I, I want to show you what I'm staring at, you know? But yeah, and that happens like anytime you have a painting or a sculpture, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're inviting the viewer to be the viewer in a way right. by creating it. But right. it sounds as though you're more interested in saying, here, pull up a chair next to right. me. Right. Let's both look at this thing. Right. And you're going to see it through my eye. I mean, everyone is creating something that you essentially see through their eyes, but in your sense, it's more explicit. Right. Um, yeah. So that never, as a kid, that was always, you were always drawing? Always drawing, yeah. What about and, music? Because you did grow up in. I mean, Tennessee, Knoxville. So. Yeah, it has more of like. It's a college town, like. It's it's yeah. University of Tennessee is there, yeah. and it sort of has a little bit more of. Um, it's Appalachia, essentially. You know, like Knoxville is kind of at the foothills of this, the the um, the mountains, and. Um, so you grew up on bluegrass? A little bit. Or there's like scrubs. a little bit more of that there. Yeah. But it's like there wasn't a lot of um, music or art in my immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always just this like weird thing that I did, you know? Right. But it was like, um, yeah. What Did you have siblings? Yeah, I have um, an older brother who's uh-huh. a year and a half older than me. And then I have four um, younger adopted half-siblings. Whoa. That are that's a big family. Yeah, the next youngest is ten years younger than me, and then they get. I have like teenage, twin teenage uh, brothers. So you were sort of around for some of that, but yeah, but some of it you weren't. Not all of it, but my um, they were all adopted. Um, t- they were all taken in as foster children. Oh really? Yeah, and my parents um, took in foster children my whole life. So it was this always was your mom and your stepdad. My mom and my stepdad. Yeah, that's very. Kind, yeah, isn't it? I and always think that's the most it's, kind thing. It's kind and chaotic. You know, I grew up with, um, yeah, this, like, it felt like this sort of constant circus of 
new people coming in and out. And it's also, it can be really hard, you know, there's like, I can imagine, yeah. you know, we had sometimes foster kids for like two years and then they go away and, um, yeah, it's difficult. And my, my parents, their thing was to take in kids with special needs, Mm -hmm. the, the kids that no one else wanted. Um, so the youngest three, um, all have some pretty serious challenges. Um, and so that's, that is quite an undertaking on my parents' part. They're pretty dedicated. To I'm sure it was that. challenging to us too, because that is, um, you know, it takes care and a special kind of like understanding of like human nature to really, you know, engage into, into kind of be there and to connect, you know what I mean? In a different way. Yeah. Like it's not an easy thing to handle, I think, as a young kid too, because I'm sure too socially, yeah, you know what I mean. That's difficult as well. Like I, I never, like recently, I, you know, I had a soccer team where I coached a special needs kid, oh. and it was great. Mm-hmm. But it is really challenging. It's it's a lot of work because yeah. you have your other players too, and mm-hmm. you want to balance, but mm-hmm. you want to give that extra care. You know what I right. mean? It's it is not you, an easy situation. No, you definitely. It's like you need to be more than one person. Or something, and I felt very unqualified. <laughs> yeah, but I tried to do my best. You yeah. know what I mean. But I'm sure, as like a young kid in that family, that must have been. Now you probably, I would imagine, you reflect on it as like, well, you learned so much. Yeah. I would guess, right? And yeah, I mean, I think my childhood taught me to be like a very flexible person, very adaptable, and uh, and also, you know, I was. Um, given a lot of responsibility as a kid and so I think I turned out um very independent for better or for worse yeah and not a you know not shy about like changing things up or right. making your decisions also right? for better or for worse yeah <laughs> well it's for everything right yeah, if yeah. you're super shy it's right. for better or for worse right, if right, you're outgoing right. whatever it is yeah. that's the duality of life probably mm-hmm. well it probably makes for uh, an interesting toolbox to make images with too, I would imagine. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're yeah. good at it. So, I mean, I haven't really used any of that. Um, I mean, everything gets in, right? Oh, like, it's in there. Yeah. I don't mean literally yeah, like making yeah, yeah. pictures of like that, but, right. but uh, it's yeah. all in, wired into you. For and, sure. you know, I feel like life experience uh-huh. can really add whether you see it or not directly. Like right. literally, it adds to the weight of what you're doing in a way, you know, yeah. if you have heart about what you're making. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Having heart about what you're making. I think that was that was a real um, turning point for me. I think I, you know, I tend to be this or tended until recently, and I've sort of thrown this away, but was always a person who like held my cards really close to my chest, you know, and didn't and was like reluctant to reveal a lot about myself and I think that was in my work too and then at some point I was like you know what uh I think it's like what's the point unless this gets like really personal and kind of um I don't know I want to like have some skin in the game you know and like really just be like radically sincere and just like completely an open book which is terrifying for me it's really it really goes against I think my personality type um, and it's, I don't know, it, it's kind of funny. It's nice having painting to do that because there is a little bit of remove, you know, you can put those things into the work and then like, 
ideally not be there when people see it. So right. it's like you're really exposing all these things, but you don't necessarily have to like. I'm just gonna leave this. Yeah, here. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can never be a performer, you know, like yeah. where you're like on a stage, like so vulnerable and open in that way. Right. Like I have a hard time at my own openings and things like that, like having conversations about the work in front of the work. Right. It's like, it's well, it's an awkward. It's not like you're with another person talking about the work. It's in this whole event thing yeah. where everyone's looking at you. You right. know what I mean? So it's added. Yeah. Like strangeness, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I do, yeah, I don't, I guess that would really, um, sort of complicate things, but I think in the work it, it's, you feel that you want to just face things head on and like get it out there, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I didn't realize that I was kind of being fearful in what I was making before or avoidant, you know, at the time when I was doing it. But looking back now, I'm like, oh, I was really like not putting anything on the line, you know. And I think maybe um, that shift had was kind of like came from the political situation. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like I need to like, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I guess just like put something on the line a little bit more. Like, this like is relating not, something that you're dealing with inside to yeah. something that the broader culture is dealing with and being like, well, this is my voice. Right, exactly. And what it used to be, well, I'm just not going to get into that. Right. Or I don't really need to talk about that. Right. But then it gets to the point of like, am I being guarded or am I not really right. voicing what I feel? Yeah. And I think there was like, um, people were kind of, uh, there was like disdain for sincerity or something for a long time, yeah. you know, with like process-based abstraction being ruling, ruling the day, you know, yeah. and it was this like cold remove, you know, and so to make what I make now would have been like people, I mean, I kind of did, you know, my work always had something of what it is now. There were, there were inklings of it at that time and I think people never really knew what to do with it and they were like this is really weird and not what you're supposed to be doing right now you know we just won't talk about yeah that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's funny because you know and that again um grad school is on the brain because I'm just finishing up but I think it was like well no one's ever gonna be interested in figurative painting again so I better like go to school and like make some more opportunities for myself and maybe find a way to get some institutional support or something like other ways to like be an artist. And then it's like all of a sudden people are like, Oh, we love figurative painting. We were just, you know, everything comes back around. Yeah, We always love figurative painting. What do you mean? You know, it's like, yeah, it's a big cycle. Yeah. 12 years from now, they'll be like these abstractions that are just based on one simple process are really engaging. Yeah. Super interesting. Wow. How'd you come up with that idea? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so we got sidetracked music. Yeah, that was the initial question. Did okay. you? Oh yeah, music. Was there music um, in the house other than was so it no? Yeah, or? how did we get so sidetracked? How I happen? think we were talking about siblings and stuff. Yeah, um, not really. I mean, it was like my parents would like turn the radio on or something. There wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of kind of cultural engagement, um, and I grew up with like no awareness of <clears throat> like art or music in a way it's like my parents would take us to these like free symphony concerts in the park or something like that but there was no like 
if you asked them like their favorite piece of classical music or something, I don't think they would have had an answer. Or, right. or like there were no art books in my house or like, I mean, I think it's very, in this country, most people don't really, aren't aware of like a contemporary art world. So that's pretty normal. But like, I didn't grow up going to museums or, you know, art galleries or um, I had some just like vague idea of what an artist was and I kind of felt like that's what I wanted to be but I didn't even know what that meant and I think uh, my mom was just sort of like blindly supportive of that even though she didn't really know what that meant either and we were both just kind of like I don't know and yeah I just uh, that's cool that she was supportive of it though yeah I mean I was just so obsessed as a kid with drawing and 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 painting and so occasionally I would like find like reproductions of paintings or something and um like I um found a book of Mary Cassatt yeah I like at a bargain bookstore on the bargain table you know and my parents were pretty poor when I was little and um so it was like a big deal to get a book and I like begged for this book and um my mom got it for me and I think I don't know how many hours I spent looking at those paintings but talk about talk about things getting in and sticking it's like burned into your oh my god like that was my first like because those were the only paintings I really had to look at and so I just like looked at those brush strokes and and that it was like magic to me I was like how does she do it I was like because I would sort of see how like you know when it's that like impressionist thing of when you look up close everything is like it's like getting up close to the TV screen and realizing everything is pixels, you right. know, it's like you stand back and it becomes this becomes a picture. And I was picture, like, it's yeah. amazing. And I used to do that too. It's like, like get up close to the TV all the time and like, look at the little, which is probably so bad for your eyes. <laughs> yes. but, but like fascinated with that idea that right. like, wow, the way these things combine and then they make this like convincing reality. It's like it, painters are magicians. You yeah. Know? What a great artist too. that, to just get that book totally she's amazing i mean she's amazing the luck of the thrift store draw right i know and it's also just like the intimacy you know and those like i don't know the tenderness it's like all the things i still want in my paintings you know it probably comes from just finding that book on a table but it's such a testament to like you don't i don't know if you're if you're an artist it's like you don't necessarily need a lot of you don't need like um you just need these little seeds you know and then they grow into these big things but it doesn't have to come from this like like grand exposure yeah like i grew things. up in chelsea right exactly on the mean streets of chelsea yeah. going to art galleries my whole <laughs> you could yeah, just actually a, have a good art teacher and in totally, grade school totally and i'm kind of grateful in a way because i i have like no cynicism about art and i think if you grow up with so much exposure like maybe that's kind of like something that comes along with it is like at least a little bit of like oh yeah I've seen it all you know yeah I think it can corrupt you it depends you have to be willing to feel to to disbelieve the magic in a way Mm -hmm. because the the bare bones of the business of it can drive anyone to think it's you know BS or like just you know who wants to deal with that sort of thing but if you believe in the magic of what it is I think, you know, you're that person, like you have it within you. Yeah. You know? Like I grew up in Pittsburgh and I was just around Warhol all the time. Oh, that's cool. And you talk about a person yeah. who's been through some stuff. Yeah. Like him growing up and, right. you know, 
um, in in his in his work, he tried to make it about everyone else, but it was you know to the point earlier of like being like having all that experience to draw in. He wasn't like you know illustrating that childhood, but right. his relationship to say soup cans and selling soup to make money, right? Like conceptually, there was a big tie there. So I think you know you can, it can just be these things and growing up that you see mm-hmm. they can light you know the spark definitely that can just stick with you. Even if it's not an easy ride. For sure. <laughs> um, so did you, you went through high school and then thought, like, what was the thought? Like, when did it become, like, this is something that I'm just doing all the time for fun, or, you know, that yeah. I just do, and then when did you start to think, well, this is something I want to do deeper? Well, so I had this one, like, really um, kind of transformative moment. I would say it was, like, kind of a spiritual awakening or something. Um, But I was in middle school and the Talented and Gifted program was taking a small group of kids to this museum in Nashville, a small museum. There was a show um, called The Masterworks, you know, and they were not really massive. I mean, they were all of these. It's like every famous artist you've ever heard of, but like like the C-list, you know, works of theirs. Um, the C squad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What they could get. But I was like, wait, they're, they're going to have like Picasso's and you know, like whatever. I was so, I couldn't believe that those paintings were going to be in Tennessee and I wasn't chosen to be on this school trip. Um, but I like went to the teacher, um, and I was like, you, you have to take me, you have to take me on this museum trip. And what she, grade she, is this? Like I was in seventh? seventh grade. Yeah. Listen, you are putting me on that bus. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> please, you know, I'd like maybe never begged for anything in my life, yeah. you know? Um, and God, it's so crazy. I always cry when I tell this story. Um, they let you go. <laughs> they let me go. Yeah. And I just like. I'm sorry, it's like it's okay. <laughs> ridiculous. Um, yeah, just like walking around and like looking at all these paintings in real life, and I had only just like seen paintings and reproduction, and like they were so important. They were like this this thing that I would had always clung to, you know, yeah. like um, just this like like art was this thing that made the world bigger, you know, and. And like getting to go there and like seeing these paintings in real life and like really feeling like the um, the proximity of the artist to the physical object and like having a sense of that for the first time and like how important that is. And I just, uh, yeah, I think that was like a light bulb or not? Yeah, it was just like, or it was like a moment of like it gave me like conviction about a thing about or just like a belief in like the power of it and the importance of it and um yeah I was so young seventh grade but it was like I think yeah I think from that point on I was really an artist even if I didn't know it necessarily I think I was convinced that I had to do other things along the way you know when I was in high school um I continued like drawing and painting but I also got I was like (laughs) I was like that kid in Rushmore, you know, who was like oh, yeah. in every single club, you know. <laughs> I was like, you know, editor of the high school newspaper and editor of the literary magazine and like did ballet and and um, I was in like the Muslim club. I was in like literally every single club that there was and like a pretty <laughs> mediocre student. Like I was, you know, like 
got in trouble for, you know, putting up flyers for honor students skip day. And like my friend and I would just like pass out drugs at the National Art Honor Society meetings at her house or like it, it was really like it really was like Rushmore. Yeah, I was I identified so much with that. That movie came out when I was in college, but I yeah, You're I, like, yeah that's I was what like, I that was me. I was totally that kid. Um, anyway, and so the, I was like really interested in in all of these things. And I was like, I don't want to limit myself and like go to art school and just like, I want to be around people who are interested in a lot of different things. So that's how I ended up at a big university. And I thought maybe I would like study journalism too. And like, but then I got there and I was like, Oh, but I need time to paint. And like the only way to do that is to like focus, you know? And so then it was when I was in college that I was like, Oh, actually this, all this other stuff is just noise, you know? And I really started just like doing, making my life about carving out time to be in a studio and paint. And so, um, yeah, that was the turning point. And from the time I was in undergraduate school until now, I've basically had like a really dedicated studio practice. Yeah. So you started off thinking, you know, I'm going to diversify my education, but you caught the studio bug. Yeah, exactly. Was it a good experience? Did you have good teachers? Yeah, I did. I mean, the University of Georgia is very like, hands-off in a way compared to a lot of other experiences I think and it's not very or at the time it wasn't very um I don't know there wasn't a lot of theory or there there was basically no theory the theory was like make work make work yeah which is kind of great yeah um do stuff yeah yeah um and yeah I I mean Athens is an amazing town and I loved being there I had a great community there and um, many of my dear friends are still people that I became friends with there. Um, another good music town. Another good music town, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you I go mean, out and see music? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, all the time. And it was amazing. Like Concerts were so cheap. I mean, I, they weren't cheap at the time. I thought, like, right, oh, right. my God, like who would ever pay you know, $20 to see like someone really big? You know? yeah. But I, I also worked in a record store for a little while in Athens. Oh, nice. and so then I got to go to a lot of shows for free, which was cool. That's great. Yeah. Did you learn a lot about music there or did you? I did. Um, yeah. It's I a mean, scene too. Record stores are kind of a scene. Yeah, exactly. And there was a different scene at my record store yeah. than the, at the record store down the street. Right, right. And, you know, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a, a really, really good college experience and Athens experience. It's like a very creative community and you could just be like, I want to make this thing. Like everyone would come and help. You know, it was like very this very communal spirit there. I mean, when I was there, it was the, the elephant six time musically, Uh all those bands. And they were all about this communal thing, you know, like they all like swapped members and instruments and lived together. And, you know, so it's like that, that was a kind of pervasive ethos of the whole town. Like, you know, every creative person was like, like, let's get in on each other's projects and like help each other out and support each other. And in a way, I was jealous of my musician friends that they could stay there in that nice, cozy community and do that and then, like, put their work out in the world. Um, and people would hear it, you know. Yeah, but, they didn't have to go to Yeah, but painting, yeah, especially then, it was like, you have a physical object, you have to put it in the place where the most people can see it. And this right. was before, you know, you could put something on Instagram even. So, yeah. like, if I was just making paintings in Athens, Georgia, at the time, it'd be like, well, no one would ever see them so right. it's like i have to i have to leave this cozy nest and that's a crazy big change somewhere. isn't it that now yeah. you could be 
yeah. based anywhere yeah. and you could have millions of people seeing your work. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like music too in a way where, you know, when music became, you know, digitized and could go anywhere, then it, the physical object in a way lost some of its, you yeah. know, inertia. Mm-hmm. Not its worth. I mean, people still love records and certain people. But generally, like, it's not so much a physical thing anymore. No. Like, liner art and right. all that's like, the vinyl. And yeah. now it's just kind of like, you know, oh, it came out. It's online. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great because you can, on, you know, these music platforms, you can listen to anything from anywhere in the world. I know. I love instantly. it. Instantly. Yeah. We used to have to dig through crates oh to God. find that stuff. I was just talking to my friend about this last night, actually. I was like, you know, I feel like I'm still pretty in touch with music in a way, um, in a way that I... I think I would have lost touch if I had to still go to a record store and, and like leaf through and like listen to things because I don't have that kind of time now. And I think I would have just like fallen off and I would have become that person who's like 40 and just listening to what they listen to in college, you know, same 50 CDs. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But because of these streaming services, it's like always, I'm always discovering things, which is nice. Yeah. I think it's like a buyer's, situation there you know it's not great for the musicians right oh no it's not it's definitely not it seemed great at the beginning like hey everyone can check out my stuff from my garage but then it's like there's so many people out there that it's just how do you sift through it all you know yeah and then how how does it and, and you don't make any money yeah i see that with so my girlfriend is a musician and um she's she does really well and she has a really you know pretty large audience for her music um and i think like a person at her kind of career level 10 years ago or something would be would be making a pretty good living and now i see it's like it's a struggle it's a constant struggle for her to like find ways to make money because people don't buy records and it's like like she doesn't t-shirts and yeah she doesn't love touring so it's like but you kind of now you you really have to you have to tour all the time if you want to make a living and that really flipped you could be working in your garage you know if you get the record deal it doesn't matter you could stop touring right now you've got a tour you have to yeah you have to be one of those people that is into it i think if you're gonna if it's gonna be sustainable for you as an artist isn't that ironic that the thing that enabled music to get out there so easily so you didn't have to tour for people to find your band right i know now makes you have to go out on tour all the time i know yeah (laughs) well i guess at least you could hypothetically tour with a laptop and then not have to have a giant van stuffed with like you know i don't know the band i was in we had upright bass cello oh wow pedal steel like it was a big Operation getting that stuff around the country, and I then, then we would it. we would play with people who played with like a laptop, and someone sang and right, someone right. played percussion or something, and we'd be like, "Man, you like, could that's smart. You could, <laughs> yeah, you could tour in a coop." Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's always it's funny, like looking at how easy someone else's practice looks. You right. know, I th- I see that with art all the time. Like, oh I'm yeah, like, sculptors. Wow. You go to a sculptor studio. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, and. I don't know the different kind of different amounts of space that are required and, oh, yeah. or, or just the amount of time that like so, I look at some people's paintings and I'm like wow you can make that painting so fast yeah. must be so nice to be you because then you like what do you do you make your painting and then you like, go see a movie or something like what do you do with all those <laughs> extra hours <laughs> like <laughs> so it must be so nice 
Yeah, I've, like, I've always felt bad that I don't take too, too long on paintings, yeah. generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are labor-intensive, but a lot yeah. of them happen relatively quickly. Yeah, yeah. Mine, and, are, mine are getting faster. So. Yeah. I had a friend who made almost like photorealistic paintings. Oh, yeah. And he would get through one in months and Oh, months. my God. And I felt so bad. Like, Yeah. My just, work used to be a little bit more like that also, very labor-intensive, and it would take forever. And, I, and then eventually I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Right. And my, you know, it's like not necessary to get, you know, to get across what I'm trying to do. It's hard, though, if your yeah. natural tendency is to want to really yeah. work things. Yeah, yeah. You know, what do you just go look at Manet for, like, Go look at Rembrandt and then yeah. look at Manet back right. and forth, back and forth. Right. Like, Manet is really good. Yeah. Oh my and God. so good. It just flowed. You yeah, know, like totally. Well, I think I realized um, I, f- I, I had this thing in me from a young age, maybe from looking at all these Marikasat paintings, where it's like um, painting quickly and like in a way that kind of flowed was easy for me. And I resisted it because I thought, I think I had um, a suspicion of anything that was easy. And I, that's something that I've had to like get rid of. It's like, just because it comes easy doesn't mean that it's not as good, you right. know? Yeah. It's like some kind of weird thing that we're taught as children that you have to like work really hard all the time. Well, I think it's a blue collar sensibility. And right, it sounds right. like you grew up in that. Totally. Kind of like, oh, it's like everyone is working hard. If you're not working hard, what do you, you know, like, who do you think you are? Yeah. You know, to like, it's a sham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're going to pay how much for that? Yeah. You know, like that thing of like, well, if people are going to pay for it, I better put a lot of work into it. Or, you know, Isn't that funny. funny? Yeah. Those like preconceived notions. Yeah, yeah. It is Scale funny. always does that for me too. Where totally, like, yeah. I can take, I can do a painting that takes four times as long that's like one fourth the size but the price has nothing to do with that it's so silly um so you you had to fight that i did and then i and then i was like oh actually like i think people respond again it's like it's always about getting back to the thing that is closest to you like that comes more directly from you and i think that sort of like a little bit faster more flowing approach to paint was actually more who I am, you know, and yeah. before I wasn't fighting anything. I was just like, Oh, this is actually just how I paint. And, uh, I, and I was like, Oh, people respond to this. And, you know, um, when that change happened, where are we talking? Is this post this, like undergrad into grad school? Like well, it's kind of, in between? It's, it's been a progression. No, it's so, slow over time. Um, yeah, I, um, my paintings in undergrad were pretty tight and then um, when I moved to New York, um, I, I worked for Jeff Koons for a year. No, painting. you didn't. I did. Yeah. And how was that? That was interesting. It's shocking how many people I talk to I know. who've yeah. worked there. Well, yeah, I don't a lot know of if people shocking, go through there. Yeah. Um, and at this point, it was a long time ago. This was, you know, 2003. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was my first job in New York. I, I found the job in the New York Times, like, printed. This was, like, still 2003, still, like, taking the newspaper and, like, circling jobs. And yeah. Village and Voice like, was you know, good for that. Yeah, totally. Um, I think this was from the New York Times. Yeah. Help well, it's Coons. Yeah. He wants yeah. to keep it yeah, classy. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, so I just applied, and I got that job. And so it was very, like, wide-eyed and, like, yeah. wow, New York, you know? And right like, in Soho, right, on Broadway? Uh, no, it was in Chelsea. Oh, was, really? Yeah, 29th. It, um, 29th and 11th I think he's still there in that same spot maybe 
I think um, the Broadway building was before that. Yeah, that was yeah. before that. Yeah. Um, but it was great. I'm sure I made you learned some good a ton. friends. I did. You know what I learned is like being like methodical, yeah. you know, which w- before, like, I think my palette was more ca- chaotic, like, um, just like my approach. And it was always this sort of thing that you like, like kind of went into and, and like, you'd, it's like, you'd end up like flustered. I'd have like, like I'd be holding like five brushes and like sweating, <laughs> you know? And then it was like working for Jeff Koons. I was like, Oh no, you just like put a system in place and then this can be like a little more sane, you know, yeah. like organize your palette organize your brushes, a like game plan. be intentional. Like, right. um, and that really helped, I think, but it did sort of make my work even tighter mm-hmm. for a while. It oh, like sure. that got in yeah, and yeah. I was like, suddenly I was like, like, because you see like how far you can take that and it's kind of fun. Yeah. But then it didn't take long after that to be like, I don't want to, this is not going to be my life. Right. I'm not this person. And then just sort of like, um, over time, I think, I, uh, and I think I also, what got in was this thing of, um, not really wanting my identity to be connected with like a brushstroke that felt like, or just like, I didn't want to have an identifiable mark, you know, which I think is like what people like about photorealism, I think, because it's really more about the image than the mark. And, but then I was kind of like, I, I guess the way I solved that was just, um, allowing the marks to be there, but then having each painting having its own kind of system of mark making. So there's still not this like, I I don't know, I guess that thing always felt very wrapped up in ego to me, this idea that like you have this mark and it's yours. And and I just, I don't know, something about that idea didn't, um, didn't really sit right with me. So you felt like diversifying your yeah, and approach. so then I was like, I'm going to paint five different ways in this yeah. painting and then see what that does. And um, and I think, um, yeah, so for a while I was making these paintings of people having conversations, and then they were all, and they were kind of also about me having a conversation with myself about painting, and there would be all these different ways of painting within the painting, and then the paintings would be, like, placed around in the room in a way that the people were, like, talking to the paint the person the painting was talking to someone in another painting across the room and it was like this it's getting meta yeah (laughs) which i always like i don't know i have a tendency to bring those like funny games yeah um i think it's like yeah anyway um so i was doing that for a while and i think that the way i paint now really kind of grew organically out of um trying to force all these different ways of painting into one painting um, and now the the ways of painting are becoming less um, kind of delineated, you know, and it's know like mean, things yeah. are kind of merging. It's kind of gelled into yeah, yeah. a diversified, but in maybe one yeah. language. Right. As opposed to speaking lots of different languages. Yeah. And it still does that thing where it's like, oh, this painting is really different than this painting, or like this part is really different than this part, but it's like it happens, but it happens organically and it's not about that. Right. You know, I know what you mean. It, yeah. And I could see it in the work that you can see from a certain, um, sort of time in the past, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where your stuff is, because I only come across your work fairly recently. Mm -hmm. So in digging back there, you could see it's like, Oh, there's, there's some changes here in the way this, they approach, Mm -hmm. but it feels like the facility is all, there you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like it it seemed like 
you could paint any way you really wanted to paint. It was just a matter of like, okay, how am I going to build this together? Yeah. And what does it mean in relation to the subject matter? Right. So, so what drove you? So you moved to New York. I mean, you got that job, mm-hmm. and then you set up a studio. Yeah. Well, I was working in working my apartment home, for yeah. a long time. And then, um, but you started showing. I mean, yeah, I did. Um, little things here and there, and then I had a gallery for. Um, several years I, I showed with Priska Yushka yeah. and um, and then they closed and then I didn't have a gallery for a long time um, and I was kind of um, yeah it was just were you still working for Coons at that point? no I only worked for him for one year so it was pretty short and then I I quit and I was doing um, kind of commissions mm-hmm. um, portraits and things I did I did um, people always like this this fact, but I did all the paintings that are in the uh, Sofia Coppola film Marie Antoinette. Oh, really? So yeah, these like period paintings. That's fun. Based on the Vigie Le Brun um, court paintings of Marie Antoinette, but with like Kirsten Dunst painted in and right. movie characters. That was fun. Um, and yeah, I did like a painting for a David Gordon Green film, which mm-hmm. was cool. Um, but and then yeah, a lot of portraits, and that was sort of like how. I made um, ends meet. Like I was, I would sell paintings through galleries, some too, but just kind of took commissions commission to, to get a, to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, and then you decided to go back to school. Yeah, but it was so much later. You know, it's yeah. like I'm 40 years old. Right. You know. How was a, that? Um, <laughs> how's being 40? <laughs> I know how that feels. Um, no, I mean, how was you know? going back after a long time and then I, I feel like to energy I mean I just feel like going back to school at this point would be great because yeah. I feel like I'd be ready to learn a lot of you know what I mean mm-hmm. like as you get older I think you your thirst for knowledge gets greater yeah in a way. I um yeah so I had this uh, this kind of thing against grad school for a long time um I was I didn't like the idea of it. I didn't like what it seemed to be doing to what we what we got to see in the world. You know, there was like such. Uh, it felt like there was like um, this fetishizing of a few different degrees from a few institutions where everyone read the same things. So then you had this like homogenized voice and. Did you the really commercial. feel like that happens? Though? I felt like that. I felt like that, you know, when I walked around, I just saw like, I don't know, it was like everyone referenced the same things or something. I don't know. And I just felt like it was this machine that I didn't like and I didn't want to be a part of. Um, But then when I, you know, all of these opportunities kind of dried up for a long time, I was like, well, um, maybe I'm not doing myself any favors, you know, by not taking part in the system that's kind of set up. And nobody's really taking note of my own private protest, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's really doing anything. So right. maybe I should just use the system. It seems to work for a lot of people. And um, and also, I was, I was at that point of trying to, like, re-engage with figuration in a way that felt right, you know? And um, I, wanted, I had a lot of questions about, like, how to do that responsibly, you know? Like, representation is, like, such a burden in a way and I knew I wanted to be in that game but I didn't I wanted to do it in a way that I could feel good about so 
anyway, that's how I ended up back at school. And, you know, and in the in-between time, um, I had a child who's now eight years old. And so he was a little bit more independent by the time I went back to school, which I think it would have been really hard if I had gone when he was like a baby or a toddler or something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) that had to do with it. And then I also, um, uh, my partner and I started uh, this kind of like arts uh, club hangout workplace in Long Island City called the Oracle Club. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and like hosted salons and had workspace there. So I wasn't isolated. Um, I had like artist friends working in the space with me and the place was filled with a lot of writers writing books and we would have all these events and, and some classes and things. And um, so that was pretty fun. It was downstairs from where I lived. And I don't know, it felt like this really interesting chapter that I'm glad that I had. Um, and it wouldn't have happened, I think, if I would just gone straight to graduate school and also I I don't know it just feels like I don't know what would have happened to me if I had gone to school at a time when um, I would have been discouraged probably from making figurative work I'm I'm pretty stubborn so I think I would have I wouldn't have been like totally scared off but I I might have had a weird effect I might have it's like I already had this tendency to try to like take some kind of backdoor into figuration to make it like more acceptable or something. Like was, it, was your feeling that figuration was discouraged more connected to the climate of what it was being shown in New York City? Or was it more actual experience knowing what they're saying to people in graduate school? Um, I think it was a combination of yeah, what I saw in terms of like who was getting opportunities, but then also um, just actual interactions kind of one-on-one interactions when people would be like oh well this is weird you know like (laughs) coming to my studio and seeing figurative work people would be like well you know sometimes it's okay to not be doing um you know what everyone else is doing you know they would like (laughs) try to be nice I guess but like I was definitely getting the message that what I was people (laughs) I'm not gonna out anyone no no but but I mean I feel like that usually I, maybe I'm wrong, but I always feel like that's just the zeitgeist of what's showing in galleries at the yeah. time. But every there's always figuration, there's always abstraction right. going on, and right. that graduate school is really a two year or a three year, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. a, 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 a basically a time to just be lost in your studio, not worry about the day job, and then have some input, have people visit your studio, build a community, and do your thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but I don't know. I went to grad school a long time ago, so yeah. I don't know if now there's ideologies where it's like, well, no, you come to the school and you're going to make work like this. Yeah. But I've seen figurative painters come out of Columbia, and I've seen conceptual totally. painters come out of the studio school. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it. Definitely. I think. It's, and I think it's what you make of it. You know what I mean? And it, and it's it's kind of like the struggle. I think sometimes can be good to mm-hmm. defend a way of working that maybe isn't in vogue. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. makes the work stronger, I think, because you have to have conviction. Yeah. Because if you go to a grad school and you're making abstraction and you just flip it and start doing figurative stuff because that's what's in, right? Like, is that work really connected to your process and what's deep and meaningful to you, or are you just doing it because oh, this is cool right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and we are in a super pluralistic time, I think, yeah. in terms of like, I think people have just gotten to the point where they like throwing their hands up and they're like well I guess anything goes you know it's like um, there is 
much less of a feeling of like, oh, this is what we're doing right now, which right. I feel like even a decade ago, that wasn't true. Um, so I think now in graduate school, you know, I think most faculties are on board with this idea that you can kind of, you can have any kind of approach as long as you're doing it in a meaningful way. Yeah. I mean, I'd hope that's the, I think it is, but always I don't always the call. You yeah. Know? I don't like, think it was always though. I think there were times when it was like, Oh no, there, there are certain things that are like, that we don't do anymore or, you know, like, that's not a good program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to Yale in the late nineties Yeah, and there were, there were people painting figuratively yeah. abstraction I installation feel like Yale always had it was a hybrid yeah Yale always had like a place at the table for that one weirdo that was making like really figurative like kind of academic they, they always like put up with that person I don't oh, know they were they, ours <laughs> they didn't have that approach when I was like yeah the students who were painting that way when I was there were champion like they yeah. love their work yeah um but yeah i don't know you can only speak to your experience you right. know what i mean and i'm sure there are programs that are really i mean you hear about programs especially in california certain programs that are very sort of you know narrow maybe in their gauge of like what is acceptable or what they want to be associated right. with coming out of their schools but right. um yeah i don't know i i'd always i feel like i'd want to be the person making the work that's not like everyone else's yeah and well, fortunately, that's happened most of my. Yeah, <laughs> I've been, I've been not cool most yeah. of my career. So. <laughs> well, I think now is that's the thing about this like pluralistic thing is that like everyone is the person who's making work not like everyone yeah. else. You know what I mean? It's like so it's better be good. Yeah, I like everyone at Hunter is doing something different from everyone else in a way. It's like there's no real continuity, which is kind of interesting. I, don't know. I think I mean, it could there be are, just as much a good as a bad thing as yeah, like the yeah. Bauhaus. Yeah, totally. You know, because something like that is really honed in and concentrated on and really believed in. Yeah. There's something interesting in that. Mm-hmm. And there's a conviction that's very like interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's something great about pluralism and everyone doing what they do and it being intrinsic to them and what their interests are. But at the same time, it opens the door maybe for a lot of just, you know, anything goes and I don't really believe in this and it's just something like, you know, the flavor du jour or something. Right. It's complicated. It is complicated. Well, hopefully the the cream rises to the top or the people who really are working and believing and making something interesting. That's what gets seen. Yeah. But, I mean, take music, same thing. The cream does not always rise to no, the top. No, not at all. There's some yeah. terrible <laughs> pop acts. Yeah. But there are some really... I think these days, though, popular music, and I listen to it because I have a kid, yeah. more than I ever did, um, it's better on a whole than it's ever been, yeah. I think. I mean, that's a sweeping generalization. Pop but I think, music is? I yeah. think the, the talent... Like, there's a lot of really talented pop musicians. Yeah. We're in, like, you know, I grew up, like, in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know... There were some great people, but there was a lot of one-hit wonders who weren't oh, totally. really that great. Yeah, you know. But now it's I think like that, if you listen to anything beyond their big hit, you were like, right? Whoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is like it's album like, filler yeah, or something. Totally. Now it's, you can't do that. You can't yeah. hide behind that. Mm-hmm. Everything's a single, and yeah, you know. And there's a lot of um, I don't know technique or something. I think people are good at yeah. things. But then there's also this thing of like everyone is such a persona now and. Like that's pop, a problem yeah know? yeah 
It's like, like you're you're packaged. You have to be. You have to be. Yeah, the whole package. You can't just be a musician. I That's think. the problem with image and social media right, and all right. that stuff. It's yeah. a, it's all, you know, a thing. Right. Around it, you mm-hmm. know, it's like the aura. Even if you're out there struggling, you have to like pretend visually that everything is perfect and oh, wonderful gosh. and stylish and yeah. amazing. Yeah. I can't put up that show. How yeah. much longer is that going to go on, you think? Like, I think already people have so much fatigue around that, around like this like perfect veneer. That's I think it'll fit. I think yeah. it's going to mutate as information and the mm-hmm. way we get it mutates into this weird new. I think maybe the attention span on people paying attention to other people's status or like their look or all mm-hmm. that stuff, like the, the fluff, mm-hmm. is going to be transmuted into like virtual or like otherworldly things that don't even relate to yeah. our world or something. It's like a, I don't know. It's hard to figure it out, but well, we're, it'll change. We're uh, fast learners, humans, right? Yeah. And we're already like, I feel like the experience of going through. Um, you know, at first, when we were introduced to these things, we were all like really convinced by the reality that we were shown in social media, and like, wow, look at that person in their life—that's beautiful. You know, oh, it's they, like they eat amazing yeah, every night. <laughs> yeah, but now we're all like, we've all wised up, you know, and yeah. we know that it's just like it's like a joke almost, right. you know. And so that's interesting—is that it's actually been cultural we're all we're all learning it's like a steep learning curve i feel like with these technologies and i it's i'm kind of impressed with us as a species that we've caught on so quickly yeah. like how fake it all is right but the only thing is the technology is advancing so rapidly yeah that we're gonna get duped again by something you or know? it's gonna it's like a you know an infinity loop or something yeah. of like constantly trying to adjust to this new way of encountering everything that's mediated yeah it's interesting yeah as a visual you know as visual people doing things visually and also it's funny to be the person who's like still sitting there with a brush and some paints i thought about that today as i was (laughs) mixing some cool gray and i was like what the hell am i doing it's so weird i love it but yeah it's it does seem really strange but it's like this thing that anchors us to like this like extremely important very tactile experience of being a human being you know like it always comes back to this you know it's like we're all made out of physical stuff and putting a mark physically on something is like a testament to like being alive as a human being right i don't fetishize like being real or like but I do see the value and and you know when I think of artwork I like stuff that is digital and I like yeah. you know I like all of it totally but I do as I paint I do think this is special I thought that yesterday when I was in yeah. the studio I was painting I was like this is a special thing yeah it's made by me yeah yeah <laughs> which I never really think and I, I don't think it's amazing or anything but it is an original like I'm taking all this time to do it and there's something to be said for that you know Totally. And I think there are a lot of people on a high horse who say that stuff. Like, my yeah. stuff's important because right. it's handmade. Right. You know, I'm not so interested in that as, you know, an overarching statement, but I do think that, you know, spending time on things in that way is, is a really, it's becoming more and more rare. Yeah. You know. 
and it's like spending so much time gives other people permission to pause and spend some time also and like slow down yeah remember a day when people did things yeah like this yeah well for me it's also it's like you know i just think about those like cave people making their cave paintings and like what a profound thing that would a profound discovery to like make an image outside of yourself on a wall in a cave and i'm sort of like yeah we've moved we've done all this stuff since then and but like let's not like forget how profound that is like let's all just like stay in the cave for a second and like look at that it's on the it's wall it's what makes this us person us. Yeah. put that outside of themselves and they they put it on the wall and like it's one it, it doesn't get more profound than that in a way and right. it's like let's just like stay here for a minute we can or at least like periodically check back in you know to like what that is definitely i think it's what makes us human yeah and then i go on youtube and watch elephants make paintings in yeah. thailand right well they're having that profound moment too they're having exactly. you know it's like like i'm them. not i'm not that special yeah i'm happy for them <laughs> but it is a really you know I think that's the thing that can anchor all that other stuff that gets totally wild and crazy. Yeah. And that's why when I pick up a brush, I don't feel, you know, I I get that feeling of like, wow, this is something, you know, it's, it's definitely its thing Yeah. in relation to all these other, you know, this, the studio building used to be artist studios, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how it started. And now when I walk down the hallway, there's like people on computers, there's like offices, there's designers and, you know, and there's, I don't think there's that many people left just picking up a brush. So right. it feels good to carry that on, you know. Somebody's got to. I think, yeah. I think so. <laughs> but I mean, it's so, such a selfish thing too, because it's like in this world of like constant noise, especially in a city like New York, it's like the only way for me personally to like, like eliminate some noise, you know, like you yeah. put a brush in my hand and things like get a little quieter, you know, it's right, like, right. And in a way, we're th- on the flip side of that, we're kind of the original Instagrammers in a way because yeah. <laughs> it's like, look at my brain. Uh-huh. Like, look at what I made. Yeah, totally. It's very show and telly. Yeah. But I think it's in a really earnest, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. Not like, look how amazing my life is. Right. No, it's exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's such a like funny thing of encountering, yeah, what's what's going on behind someone else's eyeballs and be like look at that funny thing that person what a funny person right. to make that funny thing right you know it's yeah like, and I, I feel like as i get older I, I i find more and more love in going to see what other people are doing i mean yeah. i always looked at art mm-hmm. and loved it but it just becomes more of like oh that's so special like I yeah love, even people's work that i'm not that into or i yeah, feel yeah. like inside i feel a little pushback uh-huh and i'll just be like man they're doing it I feel like that is definitely a change um, that comes with getting a little older. It's like, I don't know. I think when you're younger, there's so much more of a tendency to just like what you like, you know, and and like, it's, I don't know, the older I get, the more I can appreciate things that I never would have um, given much thought to when I was younger because it wasn't my taste, you know? Yeah. It's like, now I can like things even if they aren't my taste, you know, it's funny. That's like, I mean, when you're younger, you have the taste thing, like what you like, that's just what I like. I don't identify with anything else. Right. And the competitiveness. Right. Where I think when you get older, you want to support or you you feel a little more like we're in this together. Right. There's not many of us. Yeah. 
society isn't building this for our, you know, yeah. we're, it's, it's not a, a furtive environment for doing this. So mm-hmm. why don't we support each other? Oh, for sure. Know? So, ah, getting old. It's great. So you, you're graduating. Yes. And then is there, I mean, so you've had a studio where, you know, at school now. Yeah. So what's the, is there a move or yeah, we hit so the six year cycle? I'm doing a, um, a kind of live workspace for the summer because I have a, um, a solo show at Fredericks and Fraser in September. Yeah. Um, so that opens be, the, f- I don't think we have an exact date, but you know, whatever that weekend is that I think we'll have an opening and, the same weekend. Oh, great. Yeah. That's exciting. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I That's a great gallery, a by the way. Yeah. Who shows one of my heroes, John Wesley. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. I love John Wesley. Yeah. And a ton of other artists who show there, by the way. But yeah. yeah. I feel place. really lucky. Um, uh, Jessica and Andy have been amazing, really super supportive. And I feel like um, they just have been on board with my work from the moment they saw it and yeah. are just so excited and enthusiastic and they, they work really hard and they're Hey, they've been great. at it for, yeah. Since I've been show you know, for a while they've yeah. been around doing it. So yeah, which is reassuring actually. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. They know how to keep the ball rolling, which is great. Um, so you have a solo show there. Mm-hmm. Don't you have a group show at Paratine? Yeah, up? I do. Mm-hmm. When's In that? June. June. June 20th I think that opens nice. and I'm in a show at uh, the Museum of Modern Art in Warsaw in June um, and uh, a show in London at a new gallery called Sim Smith nice um, also in June are you going no I'm actually going to Hawaii with my family instead better move yeah <laughs> have you been to Hawaii I have so my um my mom and my stepdad continued this moving around thing a lot after I left home and they, they spent like nine years in Hawaii. So they lived there for a little while. Why not? Yeah. It's so, heaven on earth. Yeah. It's I like amazing. It. Every time I go, I'm like, why do why we live do in I? New York? Yeah. You know, this is, you can live in paradise if you want. I know. Like, I felt the same way. Every time I fly back, I'm like, wow, what am I doing? Yeah. That was really nice. That, I know you get off the airplane and it's instant, right? The feeling of the yeah, air. Yeah. That cloud we were talking about disappears yeah. and the weight leaves. Yeah. And you're like, oh Everyone's yeah, chill. This is what it is to be a human being yeah. with a connection to like nature, you know. Yeah, it's, it's really like, great. It is great. But then I don't know. I'm always ready to come back to New York eventually. You right. Know? Yeah, I guess that's the thing, is it's amazing too because it's not every day. Yeah. And I I don't know, I've had experiences where I tried to put myself in some like tranquil place where I like was in nature every day and make paintings and I find that like I have this experience of like totally emptying out and becoming like a little bit too peaceful feeling or something and then I'm like I I don't have anything to paint about I'm like I don't know I don't have suddenly have no ideas for paintings it's a weird thing like I really um thrive on the New York like constant stimulus thing it's like yeah that energy and just like having an interesting conversation will spark something or you know, it's like, it's like, you know, that thing of having a staring problem. It's like just liking watching people and looking at people and, and painting about that. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, I need, I need people to, to look at, to make figurative paintings. It turns right. out. Yeah. 
You might just go down there and make beach paintings all day. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what would happen. I think it could be cool. I think I'd just lay on the beach every day. I'd finally get away from figuration. I would just be like landscape, <laughs> landscape painter. Yeah. That yeah. sounds be- well. Maybe retirement. Yeah, exactly. I always say Hawaii. Maybe yeah. retirement. You know, life is long. There it is. Uh, hopefully, yes. and uh, we we can have many chapters. Definitely. So. The show coming up in September, mm-hmm. and then people can find you. You do social media. I do social media. It's mm-hmm. at Jenna Griffin. Your name, mm-hmm. no underscores or no nope. asterisks. Or cool. just me. Well, thanks so much for coming over. Thank you. It this was is great really to talk. Great.